Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today, we are joined by Dr. Eileen Mintz. Dr. Mintz is a psychopharmacologist at the VA Hospital in New Jersey. She holds a doctorate from Rutgers and has developed an expertise in the medication management of a number of psychiatric and psychological conditions. For our listeners who don't know, a psychopharmacologist is a prescriber of medications that impact and treat mental health and mental illness conditions. A number of these medications can impact sexual function. Today, we want to talk about antidepressants and the impact on sexual function and erectile dysfunction. So Dr. Mintz, I know that you want to make sure our listeners understand that uh, this is not medical advice that you are going to give, but you're going to really just give us your perspective on some of these medications and potential impacts. But nobody should take any of this that you share as a medical directive to somehow change or switch medications or come off of them. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So everything I'm sharing is just from information that we have, but it is in no way any medical advice. Every person is so individualized. So if you have questions or are having sexual side effects from antidepressants, you definitely should talk to your doctor about what your options are and work together with them to find the best route for you. What are the most common antidepressants that are used? The most common antidepressants that we typically use now are the category that we call SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And some common ones that you'll know are like sertraline or Zoloft, fluoxetine, which is Prozac, escitalopram, which is Lexapro, and a bunch of others, as well as this other category called SNRIs, which is serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. And there you'll see duloxetine, which is also called Cymbalta, as well as venlafaxine or Effexor. Those are our most commonly used ones, but then we do have other antidepressants that have been coming to the market with little bit different mechanisms that may not impact sexual function in the same way that SSRIs and SNRIs do. So the two main categories, though, are the SSRIs and the SNRIs. Mm-hmm. What is the prevalence of antidepressant medication usage in the general population? So per the CDC from 2015 to 2018, which was the most recent data that I've seen in the United States, 13.2% of adults were taking antidepressants a little bit higher percentage among women. And actually, as you age, antidepressant use increases with a 7.9% prevalence from age 18 to 39, going up to a 19% prevalence in those who are 60 years or older. So it's pretty commonly used. And 
I believe with the pandemic and, you know, some worsening of mental health, those numbers may be a little bit higher now, but I don't have any actual information on that. I think it's interesting that the prevalence increases with age because we also see more uh, sexual function challenges with age. And I imagine that that if antidepressants are having an impact, uh, that could be a very relevant statistic uh, to be aware of. Now, Dr. Mintz, can you explain how these medications work? So typically in our body, we have neurotransmitters. The most common ones are serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And those play primary role in emotions, mood, as well as in sexual function too. So when we have our medications like SSRIs, those are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they are blocking the reuptake of serotonin, leaving more serotonin available in the synapse to bind to the receptors. And similarly with our SNRIs, with the norepinephrine as well. Now they all do have a little bit different mechanism based off of which receptors of serotonin they bind to. But overall, that's how most of our medications work. And those are the three main neurotransmitters that they're going to affect. So to make sure that I'm understanding, the overall goal of these medications are to raise the level of serotonin or norepinephrine or dopamine in the body by blocking where they otherwise would have gone. Is that correct? Yeah. So where they typically would be metabolized and then reused, you're creating more of that in the synapse. So more of the neurotransmitters are available to bind. Got it. So Dr. Mintz, can you now explain this idea or this concept of peripheral nerves or peripheral receptors? I think many of us think about neurotransmitters and the word neuro as really relating to the brain, but it really goes throughout the body. Can you help our listeners understand about peripheral receptors and ultimately how that's potentially going to impact sexual function? So within our body, we have these neurotransmitters and the receptors are everywhere. So we have our CNS, our central nervous system receptors, which are more focused in the brain. And there we may see um, effects with serotonin on more desire and motivation. But then we also have serotonin receptors everywhere else in our body. There's a huge percentage in our stomach, which is why we typically see a lot of stomach side effects. And then these other peripheral receptors, which is mostly most serotonin receptors are peripheral is where you're going to kind of see most of the side effects from SSRIs or anything that's increasing serotonin in the periphery versus in your brain or nervous system, central nervous system. So if I'm understanding you correctly, when somebody takes a medication like an antidepressant, the goal is to raise the serotonin levels up in the brain, but it's not exact and it impacts serotonin levels throughout the body, which can create these side effects. In other words, other areas of the body, when they're not, when 
serotonin is not being metabolized will have other effects, sometimes unwanted effects. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And when it comes to sexual side effects in particular, there's still a lot of unknown as to which receptors and where in the body, which particular subtype of serotonin receptors and where in the body the receptors are binding that are actually causing the side effects. And it really also depends on what side effects it's causing. So these antidepressants can cause decreased libido, erectile dysfunction, and it can also cause anorgasmia as well as delayed ejaculation. So sometimes these medications are even used off-label if people have premature ejaculation. So the side effects vary based off of, so it varies based off of what part of the sexual cycle is being affected. So this is really important. What I'm I'm hearing you say is we don't know specifically which receptors are being impacted. So it's very difficult to try to select the right SSRI to have less side effects. And that might vary from person to person and how that impacts different parts of the sexual cycle, whether that's desire, um, arousal, orgasm, uh, that could really vary from patient to patient, which I imagine makes this really, really complicated to try to find the right balance. So in your experience, do many patients that are on these medications complain about sexual side effects? That's a great question. So originally it was something that wasn't reported as much because people didn't feel as comfortable talking about it. And if a provider wasn't specifically asking them about it, they weren't reporting it. But now that we're more aware of these side effects, we're definitely hearing more and more people coming forward with any of these sexual side effects kind of varied. It's kind of, it's exactly like you mentioned earlier. It really depends on the person, the medication. There may be some like genetics involved as well. So it can definitely vary from person to person, medication to medication, just because you have a sexual side effect on one doesn't mean you'll necessarily have it on the other. But that being said, there are medications that are more likely and less likely to cause it, as well as sometimes adding on medications with other mechanisms can be helpful. So what they do propose is that there are certain serotonin subtype receptors that if you either promote it or inhibit it, it can help with sexual side effects. So medications that the receptor serotonin 2A, if you inhibit it, you can have less sexual side effects, as well as 1A, if you promote it, you can also have less sexual side effects. So a lot of the newer medications are looking into more targeted receptor mechanisms. So it sounds like as we learn more and more about the specific mechanisms of these medications and how that impacts specific body types or genetics, 
there's a possibility, and it sounds like it's already here to a certain extent, where some of this can become more targeted and potentially decrease some of those negative symptoms while being able to deliver the benefits um, on the mental health side. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. However, our SSRIs and SNRIs are still our core treatment for depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD. So those are still going to be our mainstays. So we still sometimes have to find a balance. A lot of times the sexual side effects are more dose dependent. So maybe decreasing the dose can be helpful. Sometimes changing to another medication can help improve the side effects as well, because again, you may have a side effect with one, but not with the other. To that end, when we're talking about SSRIs and SNRIs, Mm -hmm. is there a difference in terms of the impact on sexual function? I understand that probably varies from person to person, but in general terms, does one of those medications seem to have less of sexual side effects than the other, or are they pretty much the same? So when it comes to SNRIs, we have different medications that affect serotonin and norepinephrine to different levels. So a medication like Effexor venlafaxine, it targets serotonin more than norepinephrine. So we may see more sexual side effects with that one. However, with Cymbalta or Duloxetine, it is a little bit less likely to cause sexual side effects because it does have more even distribution between serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibition. You know, based off of what you're saying, serotonin seems to be very impactful when it comes to the sexual side effects as compared to norepinephrine or dopamine. Is that correct? Yes. So they're all related within the sexual cycle. Serotonin is involved in both desire, erection, and orgasm, whereas dopamine we see we see is more present in desire. Dopamine is like what is released when you're feeling good. So actually there is some information saying that serotonin, the inhibiting the reuptake of serotonin can potentially decrease the amount of dopamine, which is why we can see changes or decrease in desire and libido, as well as why some people may feel on some of these medications, like a little bit of apathy. It's because of the proposed mechanism that it may be decreasing dopamine. And that's where we would see the serotonin affecting more the desire. When it comes to erection, it's a little bit more complicated because there's also Um, nitric oxide. So actually one SSRI that we don't typically use anymore is known to have more sexual side effects for the reason of affecting nitric oxide, and that's paroxetine or Paxil. So it's definitely an older medication, but it's one we don't use as much because it has more side effects, including higher risk of sexual side effects. When it comes to affecting orgasms, we see more norepinephrine and serotonin there. And when you are increasing the serotonin, you can experience prolonged delayed ejaculation. 
So Dr. Mintz, balancing emotional wellness and sexual function can be really tricky and really challenging. What are some of the considerations that go into choosing a medication for depression or anxiety in the broader context of people's lives? Yeah. So it's definitely a balance and something that can be difficult to do. Also, depending on what mental health condition we're treating. So we definitely always want to find a balance in helping improve mood and wellness. We always want to first ensure safety before anything. And then at the same time, take into account tolerability and side effect profiles. So it's always going to be very individualized to the person and what is most important to them and what symptoms we are trying to target. So when it comes to treating depression, there are other medications that we can use first line, such as bupropion or Wellbutrin or mirtazapine or Remeron. Those are just the brand and generic names. And those have a low likelihood of causing sexual side effects based off of their mechanism of action. So those are always options we can treat. But if we're treating a different mental health condition, those options might not be as effective. Interestingly enough, actually, bupropion can also, and mirtazapine can also be used as an add-on for somebody who is doing well on an SSRI or an SNRI, but is experiencing sexual side effects because their mental wellness is is improved and they're doing well on the medication, you may be hesitant to just take them off of it because of sexual side effects. Because when it comes to antidepressants in general, it's very hard to find one that even helps with your mood overall. So sometimes adding on another medication can be more beneficial of course, weighing the side effect profile than just changing or stopping medications. At the same time, one of the most common reasons people stop antidepressants is because of sexual side effects. So I think keeping the conversation open with your prescriber and being fully honest and discussing it and discussing all your options is really going to be the best way to kind of find that balance so without it's very individualized for you. I think that's a really important message for our listeners to hear, because given the percentages that you shared at the beginning of the episode, I would imagine that there is a fair amount of men who listen to this podcast who have taken or are taking an SSRI. And what I'm gathering is that there are a lot of potential options open to really balance mental health needs while addressing some of the sexual dysfunction concerns. And before a person decides on their own to go ahead and change their medications or come off, having a conversation with their prescriber and being open and honest and frank about some of the side effects could lead to a far better and far more balanced solution than just coming off of the meds. Exactly. 100%. That's the best way to approach this. It's also important 
important to note that a lot of times when you're starting an antidepressant, you are already experiencing low motivation and low sex drive because of either your mood instability or whatever mental health condition you're struggling with. So it's important to kind of note that that can already be there previously and make sure to separate it from a antidepressant induced sexual dysfunction versus something else that may be going on. It's also always important to consider other hormones, other medications they may be on, other medical conditions that may be causing it or substance use, a lot of co-occurring things that may be going on as well. So at the same time as you're working with your prescriber or psychiatrist, it's important to have your primary care provider as well so you can take a multimodal approach to really see what's going on, what is specifically affecting what. And I really appreciate that because one of the messages that we really try to get across on this podcast is that erectile dysfunction is not a singular causality condition and neither is really any sexual dysfunction. There's so many pieces, so many components. And a lot of times one factor will unfairly just be blamed. So the SSRIs are certainly in that camp. Uh, they do have a, a, a name out there um, as having a negative impact on sexual dysfunction. But as you rightly point out, a lot of the conditions, so a lot of, a lot of the mental health conditions that these medications are trying to target, those conditions themselves oftentimes are having an impact on sexual function, on sexual desire from the get-go. So it's important to kind of be multifaceted about approaching sexual dysfunction or erectile dysfunction in the first place. So Eileen, just one last question to wrap things up. If a man is experiencing erectile dysfunction or low sexual desire while on an antidepressant, I know we spoke about some of the medical or medication interventions that uh, could be tried between the patient and provider. Is there anything else that you would suggest that somebody who Again, mental health and general health and wellness has to come first. So if somebody is on a drug regimen, they really don't want to uh, adjust that or or take the risk of changing something in that routine. Is there anything else that you would suggest that they can do to try to improve sexual function? Yeah. So right now, some of the options that we have are adding on other medications that do target some of those receptors that I mentioned earlier, the particular subtype of serotonin receptors. So adding on things like Wellbutrin, which is also bupropion, mirtazapine, or even buspirone can be helpful. There's also always medications like sildenafil or Viagra or anything in that class of medications that can help with erectile dysfunction as well. You know, certainly with the uh, you know addition of medications and and you know, sometimes adding a medication like Viagra could be very helpful. Are there times? that you see a patient where you might make a lifestyle recommendation or notice that there is something going on in their broader environment uh, that they possibly could address to improve mental health, but also to improve sexual function. Does that ever come up? Yeah. So pretty often, you know, I get the complaint that people are struggling with 
sexual dysfunction, but they've never actually gotten any sort of endocrine or medical workup. So it's important to kind of know, have they checked their testosterone levels? Have they checked their prolactin levels? Is everything else under control? A lot of medical conditions like higher blood pressure, diabetes, or even feeling being overweight, smoking, alcohol use, any sort of substance use, even certain medications used for medical purposes can cause that as well. So sometimes making those kind of adjustments can be helpful to improve overall wellness as well as sexual wellness. Dr. Mintz, thank you very much. This has been extremely informative for myself. I have no doubt that our listeners are going to uh, benefit from just seeing another part of the complexity uh, that goes into managing sexual dysfunction and addressing it. Really appreciate your time on the podcast, and we hope to be able to host you in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know there is a huge mental component that goes into achieving an erection. Mark Goldberg, the certified sex therapist who hosts this podcast, felt as though this was a very underserved topic of education in men's health. That's why he designed Beyond the Little Blue Pill, the thinking man's guide to addressing ED. The course is designed to educate and fundamentally help you change the way you think about erections. Check it out at erectioniq.com front slash course. You can explore three modules of this course completely free. See if there's something in there that can help you. erectioniq.com slash course and you can learn more there. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit erectioniq.com.